everyone, and welcome to the 36th episode of Dragon Quest Slime Time, a Dragon Quest Dragon's Den podcast. This is Platy M3. And this is Liam Land. Joining us today are two of our Slime Time regulars, a Slime Time veteran and Tecmo Super Bowl champion. Joining us is Pendy. Hut, hut, and, hut, hut, hey. <laughs> and co-host of the Slime Time Side Quest podcast, we've got Yangus the Legendary Bandit. Welcome, fellas. So brought in some experts. Yeah, we did bring in. We did bring in some experts. That's true. Um, so just to recap, uh, we the last episode we did of uh, of Slime Time Prime was our April Fools' episode. Uh, not everyone stayed for that post credit scene. A handful of people were really impressed that we got Yuji Hori and were amazed how well he spoke English with an upstate New York accent. Yeah, that was that was me. <laughs> uh, what was. Uh... Amusing about that, that uh, even my fiance didn't realize at first when she went to listen to it, uh, English being her second language, she was amazed at his English and remarked that he sounded, you know, kind of similar to me. Uh, but she was uh, she was unaware. She was also unaware of April Fool's Day. So that helped as well. It's not really common in South Korea as it is here. <laughs> I mean, some of the some of the writing that we had that we had written was geared towards like dropping hints like. I mean, come on. He's he's not able to answer what his favorite Dragon Quest monster is. He's, Pendy you know, <laughs> is Yuji Hori confirmed. He's, yeah, it was, it was but all of it was like wonderfully pretentious. The, the yeah, great, oh, great yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. All the the whole thing was like, what's the worst possible interview we could do where the the person's just we're asking questions and they're just shutting us down. <laughs> no. Like the no, nightmare I'm coming back, down. unlikely. <laughs> The nightmare. No. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. We'd love to have you back sometime after a terrible interview. <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> I'll talk to my lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I hope he doesn't hear that and say that. <laughs> uh, so um, just a disclaimer. In this episode, we are celebrating Koichi Sugiyama's catalog. We're going to be focusing on the music and how it enhances the Dragon Quest series. We are not going to be focusing on the composer's complicated personal politics and unfortunate life choices. Um, so just to get started, uh, Pendy, what does Dragon Quest music mean or evoke for you? So for me, uh, inspires like uh, a sense of beauty, awe, sometimes a sense of nostalgia, wonder, excitement. Uh, listening to it by itself can evoke memories of the games, and also it's just quite entertaining for me to listen in general. Dragon Quest music is some of the favorite, uh, some of my favorite music to listen to. Awesome. How about you, Yangus? Well, for Dragon Quest music, for me, it's nostalgic from thinking about my early days with RPGs, but it's also a very inspiring music for me personally. I don't like post or talk about it a lot, but I like to do come up with creative ideas or stories and characters, things like that usually from either stuff I play or listen to. And Dragon Quest music has been a big influence on that because like, I'll listen to it when I'm driving in the car to work or when I'm just hanging out at home doing stuff around the house. And usually when I hear songs, even if it's one I've reheard again, it gives me ideas for like scenes and characters, like what stories you could possibly put them through. So Dragon Quest music, you know, like it ties in to the games themselves very well, I think. But from my own personal standpoint, from just listening to them, even a few that I listened to before playing the games, they're from the very inspiring tracks i find and they invoke a lot of emotions like one of my 
uh, best examples for that would be like the song Adventure from Dragon Quest 3, where you, you know, you get this grand uh, song that'll get that builds and builds in the first part. Then when it starts replaying the melody again in the orchestral versions, it'll quiet down to more of a the strings and just play a little like from the woodwinds in the background kind of gives you then that sense of like oh you know the adventure you know you're like maybe you're standing on top of a hill looking off in the distance and there's so much to see so i find it really interesting how inspiring the music of this series has been not only just for like creatively what it can make you think of but just how well it can tie into the games themselves yeah definitely i mean it, it uh for me it, it solidifies that kind of medieval fantasy theme and just really complements the scenes really well. Um, you know, where, where, like you said, Yangus, it, it evokes sadness when necessary. It makes you feel more, depending on the in-game situation. I mean, there's an actual track in the Dragon Quest V soundtrack called "Make You Feel Sad," so, and, and it does it does that pretty well. It does. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some other. I know Dragon Quest Seven has another. Um, you know, and, and any of the any of the requiems too. When the when the characters when the entire when you get a party wipe, usually that is like really uh, just it really is a requiem. You know, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's a sad sounding orchestral piece. So it's it's amazing that that he's able to do that. Um, depending on the situation, then you have the more upbeat like casino themes and stuff. But um, do you guys have? Uh, uh, how about Yangus? We'll start with you. Do you have a favorite? Uh, maybe top uh, top three favorite soundtracks overall. Let me, yeah, let me uh, look at my notes here. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay. Uh, so these are going to be in like no particular order. This is just how I wrote them out. But uh, for my first one, I wrote down Dragon Quest Sevens. Um, I do genuinely consider this to be one of the best Dragon Quest soundtracks from Sugiyama. You know, my bias towards Dragon Quest Seven aside, uh, I, this really feels like a soundtrack that Sugiyama took a lot of inspiration uh, from the past work, or from his best tracks from the previous games, and he created more dynamic pieces for Dragon Quest Seven. Uh, essentially, learning, you know, from the past and from you know what really worked in certain games. For like, um, what I found, for example, for like the tower theme for Dragon Quest Five, that one has a really dynamic sense to it with how like I forget, I don't remember what instrument plays it, but there's a, a track. There's an instrument that plays a melody in the background where it'll go like, dun, 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 dun. almost looks sounds like it's like uh, a dizzy yeah. falling, like looking off the side, and like you, know, you feel that dizzy sort of sensation. Yeah. Well, in Dragon Quest VII's tower theme, uh, "Screams from the Tower of Monsters," you get that same sort of feeling with how the strings will do a. They'll, they'll kind of start quiet and they'll build and they'll get quiet again and they'll build again. Yeah. That reminded me of that sensation of like if you were like, say if you look down into like one of the pits that are mm. like in the middle of a tower where you could fall and you'd be like, oh, you know, feel kind of nervous about that. Or if you were looking off the side yeah. to see how like far up you had gone. Um, I think that. I think that might actually be because what you're talking about is like a slide. Yeah. The, uh, like that. I, I think that's violins, if I remember correctly. It's been a, it's been a while since I listened to the orchestral version of that, but. Mm -hmm. But I um. Oh, sorry. Go from ahead. Memory. No, from memory, I think that that that's a, a the violins where you can just kind of like, um, where you can slide your finger up up the fret or up the. Uh, um, up the violin as you're playing and it gives you that you, you slide it up and down and it gives you that like kind of yeah. except less cat cat sounding <laughs> <laughs> but i know my 
my diddle 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 thing sounds like Ned Flanders or something going. I diddle ho. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, I want to hear that uh, uh, that soundtrack, <laughs> <laughs> the Ned Flanders version of Dragon Quest. But yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but um, so with seven two, I think that the game having a bit of a longer development time, uh, you know, for the PS one, I think that might have helped Sugiyama like fine tune a lot of the music and refine it to be just right. Mm. Uh, because I think 7 was one of those games that it was in development hell for quite a long time. So I know it came out kind of late in the PS1's life uh, lifespan, too. Not just here in America, but in Japan as well, I believe. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, the... Uh, I, I was going to say Nob. When we, had a, when we had Nob on the podcast, he actually mentioned that um, uh, by the time it was coming out in the U.S., that Yuji Horii was, like, not interested in the graphics all that much. And, and wanted something more, so they added the cutscene, like the the infamous cutscene. I know that has nothing to do with the music, but it's it's it's, it's pretty funny that like that cutscene is absolutely awful. Yeah. Well, you know, you speak of that cutscene because I know exactly what one you're talking about. That lovely dance one. But um, yeah, yeah, the fingers. Oh my god, the fingers. <laughs> here's here's a fun fact for the uh, for you guys and for the folks who are listening. If you ever hear the original symphonic soundtrack for Dragon Quest VII's uh, original release, I believe it was by the London Philharmonic Band. They actually do not include two of the songs from Seven. They don't have the Deja Tribe slash uh, Rom- Roaming Tribe uh, theme, and they don't have that dance song from when they're trying to do the resurrection of the Almighty. Those are the only two songs that are not included in Seven's uh, official uh, symphonic suite. But then years later, when the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphonic Suite came around, they did include those songs on disc two, and I believe it's the fourth song on disc two, if I remember right, because it's right after the song uh, To My Loved One that plays when uh, Kiefer has his final moments with the party. That makes sense, since that second one is based off that late edition uh, video. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's. I, I would have to say for like it, it's hard. It's a bit of a toss up for me for what I would consider the best one. But seven, I is pretty top tier for me. And like I said, bias aside, like I heard this soundtrack before I ever played Dragon Quest Seven, and I really enjoyed the music because it would, it reminded me a lot of some of the other Dragon Quest songs. But at the same time, it had this more. I keep saying the word, but it had this real dynamic approach to it. Like it sounded like it was going to fit for something much bigger. And with how big of a game Seven ends up being, you know, for better or worse, for some people. You know, it definitely fits the mood, I think, and it does a really good job invoking a lot of what, you know, the game's trying to bring across as you're going back and forth between time and the islands. Yeah, I, I love the sailing theme from that one, too, the, the big piratey. I know there's two sailing themes. The one I'm talking about is, like, with the uh, the trumpets at the beginning. It's like, like, that is a really fantastic uh, sailing theme. That's probably one of the best ones out there. Yeah. Pirates of the Sea is definitely one of uh, Sugiyama's better um, ocean themes, for sure. And it's such yeah. a great song to listen to as you're, like, sailing across the world on that giant ship. Yeah. Um, do you want me to keep going, or do you want to Yeah, yeah, go to... for it. Okay. Um, so, for number two, I put down uh, Dragon Quest VI uh, soundtrack. This one is a close second to seven, and if seven wasn't in here, I probably would say that six is his best work. Um mm. Uh, there are a lot of cool variations of the same songs for the overworld themes, like whether you're in the dream world or if you're in the, um, I forget what they call the other one, but the real world. There's the there's a variation that plays when you're underneath the ocean in the real world. And what's really cool is that it's all the same song, but it's played with different instruments, whether it's you know, the symphonic version or in-game versions. And they all have a different speed and different little tweaks and touches to them. So they all really stand out, I think. My favorite version of that song would probably be for the real world, which is, um, uh, oh, God. I don't remember what the name of that one is. I remember it because with Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior Monsters being the first game that I played, I remember 
this song it's called Through the Fields. That's the song I'm thinking of. <laughs> mm. um, I remember that song sticking out in my mind from playing uh, the Game Boy Color, you know, the original Game Boy Color version of Dragon Warrior Monsters. And that was always a song that even though I never really beat that game, that was one song in particular that stuck out in my mind. So when I found out years later it was from Dragon Quest VI, I was like, oh, cool. You know, it's, you know, it's so cool then to find out what game this is from. And then started to find out that the other that some of the other songs from that game and some of those monsters you fought were all references to the early Dragon Quest games, which was a really, you know, it, it was something that as I got older and we started playing more of the main games that I was able to appreciate it a lot more. Mm. Uh, anyway, getting off topic there. <laughs> um there's also some other songs that have this uh, certain touch to them or like a little differences. There's the sad theme from Dragon Quest VI uh, called Melancholy. And if you listen to uh, or if you look up the in-game soundtracks, they actually label them as either like stringed version or woodwind version. I think if you look, if you go onto the Dragon's Den itself, they are labeled differently for the different versions of Melancholy. Mm-hmm. That'll play in different towns and situations. So... It's cool that the songs have those sort of touches, but like aside from that, Dragon Quest VI has some really great tune or really great songs to it, like the happy humming theme, which is the casino. Uh, you have the battle themes, which I think every battle theme in Dragon Quest VI is really cool, especially the original version of VI's battle theme from the SNES version, which has like that hard rock sort of sound to it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it is about the su- the Super Famicom version of that soundtrack, but the in-game the OST is is amazing. It is. And, and, and- and I don't think it translated well to, to, to DS and mobile. Um, I don't know why, because the quality itself is, is obviously less than on a more advanced system. But it, it's something about that original soundtrack. I, I just love playing that game and listening to it. No, I, I would definitely have to agree with you on that one. I feel like there's I feel like that's the case with Dragon Quest three's uh, Super Nintendo soundtrack as well. Like that version of the soundtrack. So good. And I, I think that's something, too, that's kind of been lost with like people trying replicate the super nintendo sound like there's so many games from that system that have such a unique take on it. and dragon quest 6 a part of the reason why I'm putting it on here is because of that super nintendo sound to it but as well yeah. as the symphonic versions as well like six's soundtrack there's so many great pieces like one of the songs i'm going to talk about later in our favorite tracks like i would consider that to be one of the prettiest songs that sugiyama has ever written and it's such you know has such a great uh, character character to it uh, but yeah anyway, uh last one that i'll mention is um, dragon warrior monsters 2 uh so dragon warrior monsters 1 did have a few original songs but uh part of the soundtrack did reuse some of the overworld themes uh from previous dragon Quest games but with dragon warrior monsters 2 they had a lot more original music and just a few uh callbacks like uh the theme from great tree from the first game uh, uh this is soundtrack was one that cemented why i love the game boy uh, slash Game Boy Color sound. Um, you have stuff like Great Logs theme, which is this just is such a great song for like just showing you, even though you know it's on this tiny little Game Boy, just how big this kingdom is overall and like how special it is to these people on the island. That like as you eventually then get to the round to saving the you know saving the kingdom from sinking into the ocean, you do have the, I think you do get this nice sense of accomplishment from getting that. And you've, you it's more of a satisfying theme than once you you know save the day. Uh you have the return of the Starry Shrine theme from Dragon Warrior Monsters one, which is such a that song is just it's so short but it's so cemented in my head because it's just so catchy as you're trying to breed monsters and hatch your eggs and everything. Um you have the different key world themes, which did end up uh, making appearances in stuff like Joker 2, for example, as different songs in the different areas of that island in Joker 2. And this is a, one of my favorite details. Um, the Ice World theme from Dragon Quest, or from Dragon Warrior Monsters 2, uh, actually made its debut in a full mainline uh, game in Dragon Quest X, and it was called The Heavens. And it was really cool to see that game, or that song, or one of the songs from a Dragon Warrior Monsters game, 
get included in a main series game because normally it's the other way around. So I thought yeah. that, that was really cool that we wow. got this official symphonic version on the Dragon Quest X uh, Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony Orchestra soundtrack. It sounds really good. It sounds really good. And it just gave me that same feeling of exploring those ice fields uh, as a kid again and just made me nostalgic for the Game Boy Color version of that song, too. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't think I realized that. That's, that's pretty rare that, that a, a music debuts in a spinoff and then makes it to a mainline series. Mm-hmm. Huh. But yeah, those, if I had to pick three, those would be top three choices of soundtracks. Uh, closely after that would probably be Dragon Quest V's and then Dragon Quest VIII's. But it's, it, it's hard for me just, it was hard for me just to pick three to put in this list, so... <laughs> Yeah, but if I had to pick yeah. top three, it would be Dragon Quest Sevens, Sixes, and uh, Monsters Two, uh, War, uh, Dragon Warrior Monsters Two's uh, soundtracks. Awesome, yeah, all great soundtracks. Uh, okay, Pendy, how about you? So, first one for me will probably be the soundtrack to Dragon Quest Four, and in particular the Vibe soundtrack that I ended up uh, buying myself. It's, I mean, Dragon Quest Four is one of my favorite Dragon Quest games uh, in general. And the music is actually a big part of that, too. It has some of my favorite themes, whether it be battle, town, castle, dungeon, tower, etc. Uh, I especially like the, the battle uh, theme, the tower theme, and the endgame track as well. When I, <clears throat> when I complete the game and I get to see that balloon kind of drop off all your party members at their various locations, and you get that that nice little reunion at, at the end with that one character, I get a little teary-eyed. Like, it, 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 it brings up emotion. Uh, in me it's such a beautiful ending for an nes game or, or really any any game for that matter so dragon quest 4 you know kind of means a lot to me and it, i just love the music in that game it just sticks out to me as my favorite among all the different soundtracks that there's that there's out there uh the next one is actually that i like is actually more of a uh, compilation that I, I bought a long time ago uh, as opposed to one single soundtrack it's called the Symphonic Suite Dragon Quest Complete CD Box. It was done by the uh, London Philharmonic Orchestra, and it's uh, an arrangement of all the music from Dragon Quest 1 through 7 that was done at the time. Oh, uh, wow. It's, pr- it's uh, pretty unique. Uh, it's actually cool. It's, it's a box of seven CDs, which I still have. And, and what was fun is that it even came with a little bonus item. You got these little uh, like bottle cap slime characters that came with it as well. So And it's all different slimes. It's like King Slimes, Blue Slime, uh, all, uh, Angel Slime, all the different slimes in little bottle cap form. So it has a nice little thing that you can display uh, on top of that. But it's what's interesting about it is it doesn't go like dragon quest one two three four etc in order it actually groups them by theme so like you'll have a cd that will have like all the battle themes and then you'll have a cd that will have like all the themes that you get from going on when you get your boat or when you're flying and stuff like that so it kind of or town themes it kind of arranges it that way so it's uh, very interesting the way that they do that instead of doing it in game order so that was very unique as well i saw that they eventually they ended up doing kind of the same thing for dragon quest one through nine but with the tokyo metropolitan symphony orchestra but i didn't i did not uh, end up buying that by the time I, I knew that was out there it was it was already way too high price but i got the complete box like when it came out for not too much money and i've had it ever since and it's pretty cool i like to pop it in and i can listen to all sorts of dragon quest music and and something that uh i might as well mention too is that you know seven angus is one of your favorites i uh, for whatever reason like it just 
Seven's music did not appeal to me at first. When I first played the game, it just wasn't my favorite. Maybe it was because it was a little more laid back or melancholy because of the themes that Seven goes through, but I just wasn't digging it at first. But I've learned to, you know, it's it's grown on me over the years, and now I appreciate it a lot more than I used to. Like, I actually love it now, but uh, it was interesting you know how I, I ended up was kind of like eh but then it, I, it got better as the years went by and I listened to it more and more uh, and then finally I would say uh, my third would be the symphonic soundtrack for 8 uh, now when I go through like particular tracks that are my favorites 8 may not come I don't think 8 comes up at all but like just as an overall soundtrack I really loved 8 from beginning to end I thought it was a, a very well uh, <clears throat> very well done soundtrack of all the different themes all together so it's 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 been nice to uh, it was it was nice to hear that like the battle theme the town themes everything was I, th I thought was really really great so that's been one of my favorites as well yeah I, I'm gonna echo you in saying that the Dragon Quest 4 live um, uh, performance from 2002 that that uh, soundtrack is definitely one of my favorites um, it's just great to hear uh, to hear the crowd cheering and clapping oh, yeah. after almost every track and uh, and it just kind of evokes the feeling of like when you're seeing it live um, mm -hmm. it also I think it features two two or three extra bonus tracks at the end that are not part of Dragon Quest games but feel like they could be um, and I think there's even a sorrow theme that gets added that I actually don't really remember from the games at all um, but it's there it's on the soundtrack so Nice. Uh, the um, the remake for or the Super Famicom remake for Drag Quest Three saw a reissue of the soundtrack with uh, with um, one or two extra bonus tracks on it as well. Um, I think the main one that I can remember is the the theme for when you're filling out the personality quiz at the beginning, um, and uh, and then the uh, Dragon Quest Six piano uh, soundtrack. So that uh, they they did a piano version of uh, of Dragon Quest Six with all the all the different um, and just echoing what Yengis was saying about how great Dragon Quest Six's soundtrack and all the various themes and everything it translates really well to piano as well. Um, particularly uh, the uh, sailing theme sounds amazing on piano and it's it's really uh, I've attempted to play it several times by ear and it's it's uh, a little complex to pick up by ear but it it has this. Uh, this kind of um, this quality to it. it's hard to it's hard to describe, but it, it, it will will play it in the background and and you can sort of hear it. It does kind of ebb and flow like you're on a boat. You can kind of hear it. You can kind of feel like you're you're uh, going through the waves in this song. It's pretty cool. Just just to jump in real quick, Liam, just because you brought up that piano one, um, I meant to mention this before with the Dragon Quest Seven one, but there actually is a piano version of Dragon Quest Seven soundtrack as well, and it's cool because because the artwork for it just features a bunch of different Dragon Quest Seven characters all sitting around a piano. Ah, that's I just cool. happened to think about that while you were talking about. Um, six is piano version. It's like, oh yeah, right. There was one for seven too. Yeah, I mean, I, some of these soundtracks I've 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 originally downloaded back on like Audio Galaxy was a thing and like Napster and all of that stuff. Like I just still have it. They're just crap 128 kbps uh, versions of of some of these tracks. Uh, one of them was the Dragon Quest V piano soundtrack, which is actually still really good too. Like any time you can get a piano version, um, for the most part. Uh, you can get a piano version of a soundtrack definitely go for it because it's, it, it is an interesting interpretation um but uh yeah t uh, did uh we ha i originally put for this next uh piece top uh three favorite uh tracks and in the show notes i think yangus you put top five and then put in parentheses three choices isn't enough <laughs> 
<laughs> so now, yeah, I had to I had to come up with some uh, uh, some I had to come up with two extras as I've only ever thought in top three for this. So, uh, Yangus, why don't you go first? Okay. Well, um, let's get this one out of the way because I'm sure we'll all say it if we didn't have to limit ourselves. Let's just all agree that we all love the Dragon Quest Overture. You know, that's that's going to be one that's and all in our hearts. No. <laughs> so annoying. No, I'm just kidding. No. I, I love how it's how that has evolved over the years, too, because, it, you know, obviously there's the first one for Dragon Quest one, but he's added like little flourishes and little sections to it for each game. Yeah. It's been nice. Yeah. 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 The- I was gonna say the uh, the Tokyo Petro the Tokyo Metropolitan version of of the Dragon Quest One soundtrack because the Dragon Quest One soundtrack was short, obviously. So they added, uh, they embellished that theme, that main theme, and you get um, extra content uh, that didn't appear in the in any pre- in previous soundtracks or uh, from my memory anyway. Yeah, um, you do. You know what? I remember Liam. I had when I was going through and ordering all of the um, symphonic suites of the Tokyo Metropolitan ones so I could have them for my collection, I got Dragon Quest ones in the mail, and I'm like, well, you know, it's going to be really short. You know, it's only eight, like eight or nine songs. I was really shocked when I looked at the back of that thing, and it said there were 60 songs or so. I'm like, holy crap, yeah. why are there 60 songs <laughs> out here? And then when I put it in my right. computer and started getting it onto my iTunes, then I started listening to them. It's like, oh, that's really cool. They orchestrated all of the various, or most of the various jingles from the series. Yep. Yeah, I, I was I was going to mention that too. That that uh, I think they do a lot of that stuff for if people want like ringtones, they can easily turn it because some of them is just uh, you know it's an oboe doing the at the end of the battle mm-hmm. or uh, on trumpet. You know, even yep. I think the uh, the opening the opening join music that we put at the beginning of every uh, every slime time episode to introduce our guests. I'm pretty sure that came from that soundtrack yep. as well. Yeah. If you play Dragon Quest um, 11S and you hear and you have the orchestrated music on, they actually do use a number of the orchestral versions of the jingles from this particular soundtrack that we're talking about. So mm. it, it's cool. To, it's cool to hear them used in an actual game then instead of it just being the MIDI versions all the time. Yeah. But um, <laughs> anyway, so for my top five, even though it was supposed to be three choices, I went with in no particular order. Uh, Violent Enemies from Dragon Quest V, which is the battle theme, the standard Mm -hmm. battle theme. Um, Two, I put Sky, Ocean, and Earth, which is the ending theme from Dragon Quest VIII. Uh, Saint's Wreath, which is from Dragon Quest VI, which typically plays in the more calming, relaxing areas. A lot of the undersea areas you go to, it plays in this one. And if you play Dragon Quest XI and you've gotten to the town of Nautica, this is actually the theme, or this is the song that plays when you're under the ocean in this particular town. Uh, for four, I put Holy Shrine from Dragon Quest II, which, as the name implies, it plays in a lot of the holier sanctuary shrine areas of Dragon Quest II. Uh, most notable one example is when you're in the Valley of Rhone and you reach that sanctuary that's right before Hargon's Castle. This is a song that you hear in that particular area. Mm-hmm. And for my fifth one, I put Rab the Wizard from Dragon Quest XI, which, as the name explains, it is Rab's theme from that game. And more importantly, it's the song that you hear whenever you've booted the game back up and you get the little brief story synopsis that gives you, uh, you know, a bit of a oh, yeah. recap of what was the last thing you were doing. And this, for this last one in particular, like, I got Dragon Quest Eleven Symphonic Suite, like, shortly after it came out in Japan. Like, this is something that I pre-ordered and, you know, got it, like, two or three days after it came out over there. And I listened to this soundtrack a lot before uh, Dragon Quest Eleven came out over here. And I always found myself returning to Rab's theme in particular because I just enjoyed how it was sort of this um, 
bouncy, uh, relax, but also kind of a relaxing song too. And it really fits Rab's character from that, or from Dragon Quest Eleven, which is also part of why he's one of my favorite characters because he has this nice, uh, you know, joyful sounding, but also kind of be, you know, very calm and comforting thing. I, I always love hearing it whenever I start the game up too. I've, there's been times where I've turned the game on and I get distracted by something on my phone. I hear the song in the background for five minutes, and it was like, oh, you know, I guess a few minutes have passed. I didn't even realize. <laughs> yeah, and that was a that was a nice part of the special edition if you got the original uh, special edition box set for dragon quest 11 for the ps4 uh the 11 the symphonic soundtrack was one of the uh, bonus editions that you got in that box mm -hmm. it's the first official time that uh, a symphonic suite from J or for a dragon quest game was brought over here to the west you know officially yeah because you always have to import it in yep. the past. I got my, I just have my Japanese version because I wasn't able to get that special version of Eleven. But that's a story. That's a story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> and the hardships of ordering from the dry, or from the Square Enix online store. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember, I remember that, that story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna I'm lie. When when that was brought up with with that special thing, it's just like, damn it. <laughs> that's all right though. <laughs> but um, there, with these songs that I, I chose in particular, there's a lot of other songs I could have picked. But these are songs like when I think of uh, these five games in particular that I mentioned, that these are the songs that always jump in my mind first. Like with Dragon Quest uh, Five, you know, you have to deal with a lot of enemies. And it reminds like the song Violent Enemies, you know, it fits four battles. But it also makes me think of like all of the trials and the tribulations that the hero of five has to go through as he's growing up. And then with Sky, Ocean, and Earth from Dragon Quest Eight, maybe it's just because of how the ending shows you like different cutscenes and different events from the game itself. But I think this is a good song that really caps off the adventure because it starts off with a gentle theme, then it gets a little more playful with the dun 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 and it shows you like some of the more shows you more of the characters, makes you think of like some of the misadventures you've gotten with with Yangus. It gets in more of the mis like some of the escapades you had to complete, and then when you have the big triumphant sound towards the end, it really gets you in the mood for you know like it's gearing up for the final battle, and you know what that like it's leading towards the climax. And there's a lot of other great ending themes, but one that's always stuck out for me is Dragon Quest VIII. Um, but yeah, for these other songs that I pick, like Saints Wreath, I, like I said earlier with the Dragon Quest VI part, this was one that whenever I think of VI, this is one of the first songs I always think of. I was so glad to hear that this song was in Dragon Quest XI, not only for the town of Nautica, but for some of the more calming, um, peaceful areas that you go to that have more of this you know, fairy tale like feeling to them, which is part of why I love the Saints Free song. It has this real, you know, it, it fits the fantasy of a Dragon Quest game. And for Holy Shrine, it's a pretty short song, all things considered, since you know it is from Dragon Quest 2 and it's from the NES era. But I always like this song because it's kind of like the Saints Wreath or Rab the Wizard, why I picked it. You know, it's a very calming song, but also has, with Holy Shrine in particular, it has this real mystery to it, I think. Like, you know, there's a holy power that's, oh, that's uh, you know, watching over you. In Dragon Quest II's case, it might be like the goddess Rubus. And I always like hearing this song in Rhone, or in the in the shrine that's in Rhone too, because, you know, this does feel like, it does feel, or, excuse me, it really does invoke that feeling of, you know, this is, you know, your last place to go. But, you know, you're not alone in this whole conflict. You know, you've been traveling all over the world, collecting all of these uh, medallions, or not medallions, uh, you know, collecting all of these sigils of the different things, you know, getting the blessing of the goddess Rubus. So, you know, the three cousins might be, you know, the only ones physically there, but they have a bunch of people supporting them. And I feel like this song does a good job encompassing that and giving you that comforting feeling. 
But I can keep rambling on about these songs, so I'm going to stop there and let you guys get your uh, get your saying on your songs. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. We're all passionate about this stuff, so thank oh, you. Yeah. Um, so, Pendy, how about you? Yeah, so I guess I'll go next. Um, so for my top five, and this is in no particular order, uh, the first one I put would be a Battle for Glory, which is the fight, the normal fight theme for four. It's just uh, there's a few that are are really good that i've liked over the years but i always come back to four as my favorite just it, it just is the most exciting for me overall among all the battle themes and dragon quest and one of the my favorite tracks for dragon quest overall uh, next one i put is grueling fight from three and this is the final boss theme from dragon quest the dragon quest three and for my money i think this kind of evokes like the best sense of like oh god this is going to be like this epic fight with zoma and he's you know he might kick my ass and i think this is uh for me it's the best uh, final boss theme that i like out of all the dragon quest games next one i got is the end or, or final for dragon quest 4 it's the end theme for dragon quest 4 which i kind of touched on before like how i would actually get kind of emotional every time i beat dragon quest 4 because as you're you know going through going through with your balloon and kind of seeing where everybody goes and stuff uh, but I just think the way that it kind of builds up in the beginning and how epic it is throughout, I just love, you know, the, the beauty of that song as you're going through all those different scenes in the, at the end of that game. Uh, next one I put is another endgame theme, My Road, My Journey from 2. Uh, I believe this is pretty famous among a lot of people. I've heard of people actually using this theme for their weddings and, and things of that nature. Uh, it's ver another very good ending game theme, very beautiful for the, the end of that game. And then the last one I put is Cursed Towers for four. It's the tower theme. Whenever you get into a tower, you hear this music. And, you know, in a lot of RPGs in general, like most of the time, you're when you're going through a dungeon, you're going to some cave or something like that. So you don't go into like a, a tower that often. And when you do go into a tower in a, like a Dragon Quest game, like I thought for, for this game, this theme, I thought it had it kind of captured the, the best... Uh, sense of mystery and adventure when it came to a tower theme so that's why i put that as one of my top five as well so yeah, that's my that's my top five for for the tracks that i like awesome yeah there's a a couple of a couple of things about some of those choices that uh, i want to touch on um a little bit later when we talk of kind of, talk about kind of our uh uh notable mentions but um those are awesome all, all awesome choices as well um so i i my favorite um and i had to add two more but <laughs> I, my my top favorite is definitely the Unknown Castle from Dragon Quest IV. Um, that's one of the ones where when I was originally playing the NES version as a kid and this, the song came on, I, I was just like, wow, that is a really catchy melody. And there was something just amazing about hearing that uh, played when you get to Zenithian Castle. Um, it really does feel kind of like heavenly orchestral music to me. And and when you play something like that, uh, or something like Chateau, which is also on my list, um, Chateau from Dragon Quest Two, you could play that for someone who's never played a Dragon Quest game, and they would just say like, oh yeah, that's that's classical music. You know, that's it doesn't necessarily it, it, it transcends being in a game and can just be um, you know a, a piece of classical music that you're listening to. Um, and I think he does do he does do that uh, a couple of times like in some of his compositions uh you can hear uh not on my list but as an honorable mention you can hear um themes from like bach in dragon quest 5's uh castle trumpeter um if you if you go back and listen to some of bach's like uh baroque music and then you listen to that that castle trumpeter track you can tell it's definitely an influence there's certain 
uh, themes from Mozart and Beethoven. Even you can you can hear if you listen to a bunch of their music, and then go back and listen to some of the uh, some of the soundtracks. You can hear that that as well. Um, just kind of. Uh, the influences. Um, all right, but getting back to uh, my top favorite tracks, uh, Heavenly Flight would be my second one uh, from Dragon Quest Three. It appears again in Dragon Quest Eight. Um, it's the Phoenix Dramia theme, and it uh, that's one of those things where it's it's also it's kind of sad, but it's also really beautiful to just hear that as you're flying around and unfortunately you don't get ramia for very long before you have to proceed to another part of the game where you where you can't get access to them but uh i always thought that that was a really cool uh theme and i love to just kind of zoom back to a lihan or somewhere on the main map and uh and just fly around just to hear it sometimes <laughs> um chateau i mentioned from dragon quest 2 uh this is one i wanted to have played at my wedding uh, but it was a little cost prohibitive. I originally wanted to get like a four-piece uh, or orchestral quartet, uh, ideally to uh, to play um, uh, to play this and a handful of other Dragon Quest theme, uh, themes as we walked in. But uh, yeah, but that uh, you know the cocktail hour music could just be Dragon Quest music. Um, that ended up being a little bit cost prohibitive, so we couldn't get that done. Uh, maybe if 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 Tomoko and I are crazy enough to get married again we'll do that <laughs> there you go uh and uh um fighting spirit i guess they adding two extra here uh fighting spirit from dragon quest 3 um is just it, it kind of remind it takes me back to being a kid and playing dragon quest 3 for the first time but also watching the dragon quest able yusha anime or dragon warrior anime uh um as a kid as well uh and then i've got um, I've got a tie for my number five. So um, Yang is talking about the Dragon Quest Seven soundtrack, so I had to add this one in. But uh, originally, I had uh, the Saint, um, the piano version from Dragon Quest Five soundtrack. Um, there's something I really like about that track. It's just emotional, and it really hits it hits me in the feels. <laughs> and then uh, the the thing that I had to add, uh, based on what Yangus was talking about, the Dragon Quest Seven soundtrack was uh, so tied with the saint would be pirates of the sea i think it's called pirates of the sea Is that right yangus it's a sailing theme um there's two sailing yeah, themes in there's two sailing themes in seven soundtrack it's this is the one uh that starts out with the with the big kind of trumpet like that in the beginning sorry my headset fell on my ear there for a sec but yeah it's pirates of the sea is the one that you're talking about liam yeah that's that's such a great uh that's such a great um theme and just it really again i mentioned before um the sailing theme from dragon quest 6 um particularly on piano this is one of those ones where it really makes you feel like you're sailing on a on a ship particularly like like with a you know, a royal ensemble uh, with you. Just, it just sounds very regal. Uh, but uh, yeah, a um, couple of notable mentions. So I always mention this when we talk about Dragon Quest IV's music, but the battle theme, um, what is it, Battle for, for Glory? Yes. On the original NES, on the original NES, there's an actual crescendo, uh, which is rare for an NES game. So crescendo meaning uh, um, the gradual increase from soft to loud and uh in it you can you can hear it in an nes game it's very it's pretty rare to to hear that um level of detail put into an nes game but they did have the ability to do that um and and that's one of the rare games that featured it nice. um dragon quest 6 battle theme that is, if you listen to the piano version especially it, it's just really hard to play <laughs> it's 
I tried to emu I've tried to emulate it by ear. Um, it is all over the place. It is, it's really fun to try, um, and I hope someday I can master that, but it's it's completely nuts. <laughs> um, sometimes you can hear or Disney influences on Sugiyama's music. I, you know, I talked about classical themes, but there's also a couple, a handful of uh, uh, Disney influences. Um, one in particular that comes to mind is the Quester's Rest theme, aka the Tavern Polka, uh, which reminds me of the It's a Small World After All theme. It's, it's got that da 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 da, and then even one point it slows down and goes, it sounds even more like it's like da 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 da, and then it's just that just reminded me of being on that ride in Disney. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what's ride. really funny about you saying that, Liam? There's a song that's also in Dragon Quest VIII that I think has yes. that, it's a small world theme. Yes, I was going to mention that as well. Yeah, I couldn't remember the name of the track, but there, yeah, there's another theme in Dragon Quest VIII that sounds like that too. Yeah, let me pull it up here. It's the it's the song "Quiet Village," and to be specific, it plays in towns like Alexandria, where like or Alexandra, excuse me, like where oh. you meet Jessica. Yeah. Okay. And I I'm I'm remembering what that sounds like now. Yeah, I I can hear that. Yeah. The opening of that sound sounds or of that song sounds exactly like Small World, where it does the bum 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 bum. Bum, yes. Bum, yes. Bum, bum, yeah. Bum, yeah. Bum. It's just uh, a slightly altered version. <laughs> it's the it's the version that plays at night, right? It, no, it plays for both. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, both? it's the okay. it's the song. For, it's the night and day version. They, okay, they both yeah, sound yeah. like that. Okay. It, yeah, because at night they would just do like a kind of a slower. Yeah, it's just a little more thing. quiet. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, I was thinking of that as well. I just couldn't remember the name of the track. Um. Some some Dragon Quest music actually debuted in the U.S. in Dragon Quest in the in the Dragon Warrior anime featuring uh, Abel. Um, this is before some of the games came out, including Dragon Quest III soundtrack. So the the anime debuted in I believe nineteen uh, was it nineteen ninety I think in the U.S. and um, and Dragon Quest. Only Dragon Quest Two was out at that point. Um, so I'm watching, I'm watching the anime as a kid, and I'm hearing all this music, and then I'd hear it and see themes in like Najimi Tower and 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 Aliahan or Raihan. I would see that referenced uh, in the anime first, and then the game came out later, and I would be like, oh, cool, this is from the anime, or like this, oh. you know, reference to it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's several things like the the uh, Dragon Quest. Uh, battle theme fighting spirits for uh for dragon quest 3 um that was familiar to me before the game came out because I'd, I'd seen the anime uh and even the balloon theme from dragon quest 4 makes an appearance at one point i, I think that uh, a couple of years later i went back and watched it and realized that and i i, I and i it was just like oh my god that's the balloon theme and so so there's even stuff from 4 that made it in um i think it's it was rare but i I think it might have only been the balloon theme, maybe one or two other tracks, but that's the one that comes to mind. Um, and the U.S. got a combination of orchestral and synth versions for the anime soundtrack, uh, whereas the Japanese version only got original songs and not much from the games at all other than sped-up versions of the main theme. Interesting. Uh, Dragon Quest IV's balloon theme is one of the longest NES tracks ever. <laughs> I don't know I, I don't know the, uh, um, the exact longest track of NES game ever, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is it. Uh, it just has so many themes, and it just keeps going um, throughout, and, and it's, it's amazing to listen to, especially it's just super long for an, for an NES game to not loop uh, over uh, a short track. I mean, it it's is. four in general. It's is, one of the longest is... Dragon Quest songs, period, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, uh, 
for for its day as a later NES game, that four is just insane on how epic it is for for that period of time. The just the scope and the graphics and everything for it is insane. Yeah, um, I remember when I played Dragon Quest four for the first time, and I remember getting the balloon and flying around in it. And I'm like, you know, this song seems like it goes on for a while. I wonder how long this one goes for. I could not believe when I first played the DS version, just like flying around the overworld on purpose, not landing anywhere, how long that song went before it looped around again. <laughs> yeah. It was so it was so crazy. I could not believe that. I figured it was just going to be like um, uh, Lamia slash Ramia's theme from Dragon Quest Three was just going to be like a shorter, you know, like maybe about like a minute before it looped or something. No, it goes forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and sometimes, uh, like you said, with, with the Phoenix Ramia theme, I mean, sometimes uh, the orchestral versions are actually longer than the version we get in the in the game, with uh, extra extra little nuance added to it. But mm -hmm. for this balloon theme, they they put the whole thing in there. That's really he long. Did. He did. I think Sugiyama just wanted to be like, you know what? I'm just gonna make this balloon. You know what? The, when he was doing Dragon Quest Four originally, he's like, you know, Ramia's theme. You know, this is a good little song, but you know what? I can make one even longer. Yeah, it's like a. <laughs> Hold, hold my beer moment for Koichi. <laughs> um, so it's Dra Dragon Dragon Quest IV's ending theme is actually, you know, Pendy, you touched on this earlier as one of your favorites. This theme, um, the full version of it that, that is featured in-game is unique and has never actually appeared on a full soundtrack. And that's uh, what I mean by it's unique is is that there are interludes. Um, as, they, as, they, as the scene changes from you kind of... Um, uh, I forget if, if you're in the balloon or if you're sailing, but as you're going to the various towns, uh, they'll touch on uh, sped up versions of the walking themes. So when you get to, uh, um, you know, when you get to Torneco going going back or when you get to uh, Ragnar going back to his, his uh, hometown, they'll feature their walking themes with sped up and then they'll go back to the end theme again. Um, it's, it's amazing. I wish that that they had an orchestral version of that with featuring those little musical interludes. That would um, be nice. But it's never appeared on a on a soundtrack that I've that I've heard. I've heard of a lot of different versions of four um, before. So they well, other than the the OST, it, I haven't I haven't heard it on uh, on any orchestral versions. Yeah, I also think that uh, it's it's really fun with all the different musical cues that we have in the Dragon Quest world about when you get cursed, when you level up, find a hidden staircase teleporting all those different little musical cues or, or sounds are terrific so yeah. that's always been fun as well in dragon quest games um that's I funny i think also, if you if, okay. you have a, if you have a fail if you're i think it's like if your um if your save file gets corrupted in the in some of the original nes games i think they played that curse theme like no 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 so like <laughs> it just adds <laughs> a little bit of extra like no <laughs> like if you're if you're save file gets cursed uh, that's great yeah i think i remember that because uh i had this i was trying i was doing dragon quest 3 or dragon warrior 3 and i had a little tv up in my bedroom and a little nes and unfortunately like if you like really i was upstairs so if you came in and you kind of like pounded on the floor a little bit it would reset the nes it was like that delicate and my dad kind of would thump around sometimes so i'd, I'd have to be worried of him walking around because we came up boom 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 and then I would just reset my NES. I'd be like, no, my, my save data. <laughs> save often. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up was uh, the track uh, Only Lonely Boy from Dragon Quest II. 
because this was the only uh, pop song that we ever got from a Dragon Quest game. They ended up making this for Dragon Quest II, and they released it shortly before its release, um, before the, the game was released. They released the song before the game to kind of push push the game. And Sujiyama, he was the one that actually composed the song, but the lyrics were done by somebody else. Uh, I looked it up as Yoshiko Mura. I'm probably pronouncing that horribly. And then uh, Anna Makano or Makano was the one that sang the, the song. So they had a little little Dragon Quest pop song out, out in the world before two came out. So I thought that was always really interesting. Dragon Quest. So we actually, and that's the uh, only lonely boy. If you don't uh, know, that's that's the song that pops up when you go to select your file in the beginning of, of a game. So it's that that song that plays when you're doing that. Yeah, and so. I didn't I didn't realize that was an actual pop song until maybe only a couple of years ago. Um, oh, me too. Yeah, was, yeah. Least, only within the last few years I learned that. I thought that was fascinating. I think it was mentioned on Twitter or something. I was like, wait, what? This is an actual song with lyrics that like, yeah. <laughs> was like released in Japan. And uh, uh, there's a moment too in, in Dragon, Dragon Quest Two. I think it's a, the town of Baran or, or some somewhere where you, there's a. a a woman you encounter at the um, entrance of the town, and if you talk to her, she sings the song. And I was all I now in retrospect, I'm wondering if that was supposed to be Anna Makino. Oh, yeah. And I always thought, like, when you do that file select portion of the game, like, I always thought back in the day, like, wow, this is really catchy. Like, holy crap. Like, uh, now, it's, now it explains, like, why something so simple for such a simple function is such a catchy tune because it was a you know, a, a big you know well-produced pop song at the time all right um so does anybody have a uh, favorite dragon quest a particularly favorite dragon quest orchestra yangus do you want to start sure well i'm just gonna go with the tokyo metropolitan symphonics uh, orchestra only because that's the one that i've heard the most music from and I personally just prefer the sound of that orchestra over the London Philharmonic versions that I've heard. Um, it's just, just it, it, I mean, they're both good, don't get me wrong, but I just, it's more of just a personal taste thing, because I just like how the sound, well, sounds, in the uh, Tokyo Metropolitan versions of it. It feels oh, more that's... full, and it feels more like everything is more evenly um, divided amongst the orchestras, and, or the, the instruments and the families of instruments. Because with, it, it, it could have just been the recording, um, you know the recording machines and technology of the time but the London Philharmonic ones just don't sound as clean to me as the Tokyo Metropolitan ones do so that's the only reason why I prefer those ones oh, that's both funny. are good but it's it, it's probably just more of a tomato tomato thing but I just prefer <laughs> the, the Philharmonic or the the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony Orchestra now that I said the whole thing there we go <laughs> that's funny because I, I actually have the exact opposite take <laughs> I like the uh, Tokyo Philharmonic or the London Philharmonic versions um, because there's certain points in the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony Orchestra soundtracks where I can hear them, the the musicians like make mistakes that uh, I don't hear in in the other versions. Like they they'll, you know, they were recording this live. They weren't doing multiple takes, um, or maybe they were. But uh, yeah, in in certain cases, uh, um, I can hear just little. Uh, nuances or things that sound off that that don't sound that way in um in the london philharmonic and tokyo philharmonic versions only one that i really can think of where i've heard like a mistake that i noticed was in the or one of the ending themes of dragon quest 11 which 
I mean, I, I forget what that song is called. I think it's Triumph of the Heroes or Return of the Heroes. His name. It's from Act. It's from the Act Two ending theme. If you listen to the orchestra version, there's a part halfway through where you hear. I think it's one of the horns in the background. It's supposed to not make like a more like a noise, but it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they they did not change that or fix that for the the uh, the uh, oh the definitive edition release of Eleven, but. I mean, that's the one that I can think of where I have noticed one where it's like, like that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I hear it every time. And I remember on the, what was it, on the Dragon's Den Discord that we're a part of, that uh, Blue Star, one of the members on there, she mentioned that one time. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm glad somebody else has noticed that, too. She's like, I hate it. It's like, me, too. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. She's got an ear for music as well. Yeah. <laughs> she, um, did that, uh, she did that little... Uh, Oh, what what track did she do with that with the her flute? That was really good. I think she did a, a track from three. I think, but yeah, I think she's done a few different ones. Like she's shown us her sheet music that she's done, but didn't she record herself playing one too? Is that what you're talking yeah. about, Pendy? Yeah, yeah. She oh, recorded wow. she recorded herself uh, playing some tracks with her with the flute. It was really good. Oh, that's I awesome. I, I never heard that. I'll have her to about that. that. But yeah, it's, it's she's done a pretty good job too, like getting a lot of the songs converted into uh, woodwind quartets and quintet. Uh, versions of them yeah. that's amazing i had no idea I, yeah we probably should have had her on as well <laughs> yeah and she'll post um, them and be like okay someone guessed the song and it, I, i'm not very good at guessing songs for one win parts because i played brass so i played low you know, i played bass octave so <laughs> oh nice yeah so oh that's a good point did, did any of you guys play an actual musical instrument or do you rather yeah i do what did what did you play or do you play uh, um, I mainly play uh, low brass instruments. So, like, I started out playing baritone, which is just another term for like a euphonium. Uh, I eventually went on to play the tuba slash sousaphone when wow. I got to high school, and I still played in college a lot. I haven't done as much recently, but every now and then, there's different stuff that I uh, will go and play for. Like they cool. there, <laughs> they do uh, in the state that I live in, one of the cities. They do what's called tuba Christmas. So it's just a bunch of tuba players who will play different christmas songs that's <laughs> like awesome. everybody has different parts awesome. like that. Uh, how about you pendy oh, i can't i can't play a thing <laughs> <laughs> i can do some piano by ear but like i i can play a lot of the like have you guys have played um uh like ocarina of time or majora's mask from the zelda series at all or heard some of yeah. like, the ocarina oh, yeah. songs from that game yep. mm-hmm. so i don't know why i started doing it but I, f- I figured out how to play a lot of those songs by ear on the piano and like play like the full uh-huh. renditions that you hear in the game, not just like the little version you got to play with the the buttons. I'm, cool. I, mean, I can't play the piano otherwise to save my life, but <laughs> I figured out how to do those at least. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so I I, I play piano, um, and uh, I also have uh, haven't in a while, but I, I had uh, growing up I played violin. Um, more recently, I picked up the mandolin, which is actually stringed. It's it's basically violin strings doubled um, in in a like a tiny little guitar form um and uh and i've been kind of picking apart uh well when i was yeah back in the uh when i lived in jersey uh i, I would uh just take the mandolin and go outside uh with my son to a park and just kind of pick up pick apart uh a couple of dragon quest or or some of the wind waker themes there's um the big band of rogues soundtrack uh, which is ha- they have a uh, Mario and Zelda big band uh, soundtrack um, that's actually really excellent. Definitely check it out. I think it's on Spotify. Um, and they have the Dragon Roost uh, Wind Waker theme. Um, they have a really cool violin and mandolin version of that. Uh, I would love to kind of 
pick that apart um, and play that. So I can I can play that and and the main theme from Wind Waker I can do most of it by ear. Um, that's the other thing. See, I am mainly I don't I barely read music at all. I've played music for like thirty five years of my life. I can barely read a note of it. I I can pick it apart very slowly, but I to this day I'm mostly an ear player. Uh, even when I was in orchestra growing up, growing up in in high school and in middle school, uh, even dating back to elementary school when they introduced the music to us, um, I would listen to what other people were playing um, in the you know when we had to play uh, for a test and you're playing you know, you're playing solo. I would listen to what everyone else did and then I would just fix the mistakes um, when I played it, uh, like the mistakes that I was hearing other people do, make sure that I don't do them, and then that's how I got. That's how I survived in the orchestra, and actually, uh, I ended up uh, in first chair at one point when I was in eighth grade, um, just based on just based on ear. Uh, so it's something I stopped playing the violin after high school, but I'd like to kind of go back and pick it up a little bit um, at some point again when I have all you know access to a, to instruments. Yeah, violin was always an instrument that I thought would be cool to learn how to play, or at least like try and learn how to play. You know, I don't know if I could, you know, if I'm gonna really have ever have the opportunity to do that um, now. But you know, in the future, I'd like to give that give it a try just to see if I could do it. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, the, I've always thought the the, the violin man, has a really cool sound as well. Definitely, and the mandolin is very uh, close to it if you're just playing like uh, pizzicato or just plucking the strings on a violin. It's kind of very similar to that. So um, it translates really well. I, I When I got my mandolin, it was like $30 on eBay, back, like maybe like 15 to 20 years ago. And, uh, and now I'm trying to get one again in, uh, in Ishigaki, and it's like everything's like $100 and up. I was like, oh, I don't want to spend that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, um, so it, it getting back to the uh, agenda, I just wanted to talk about live concerts as well. Um, and Penny, you have a live concert experience as well, where you saw uh, Dragon Quest uh, performed live, right? Yes, uh, I talked about it on a previous podcast, but um, yeah, that was a, an amazing experience. One of my trips to Japan, um, I timed it to where I could see the opening to your story in the movie theaters and also see a Dragon Quest concert. It's not that hard to get uh, tickets to well, not. Or, or to find a Dragon Quest concert because they do many Dragon Quest concerts uh, throughout the year. And actually, it was it was uh, Sujiyama that actually founded that concept. Like he was the first one that went out and actually did a concert, an or- orchestral concert based off a video game. Like that had never been done before, and he popularized that concept. And wow. it's been you know it's it blew up for Dragon Quest in particular, and they've been doing it for decades. And they do tons of concerts throughout the year. But what I was lucky in is that I was able to time it that. Because he only orchestrates like maybe one or two concerts a year now, especially him getting up in years. And mm-hmm. he just happened to be doing the concert that I was going to. So he was the composer for the entire concert. And that was just amazing. So that, what it ended up being, it was part of the uh, the Dragon Quest family classic concert series and they did the entire soundtrack to three to dragon quest three so that was amazing to hear especially live and and done by him and at the end of it they did like a little bonus section too like where they did like a where he where they all where they left and then they came back and and did some more uh the the encore they did an encore and they did like various tracks from different dragon quest games as well and they did like the full uh dragon quest 11 overture 
as opposed to the one from three. So they got the whole thing. So that was very interesting. But to you know be in like that live concert setting and to hear that music was just amazing. And then kind of towards the as the as the tracks would go on, like the audience just got more and more into it. And obviously, they'd be quiet during the selections, but in between selections, they just you'd hear this big roar from the audience of just audible yells of oh my god that was so great it was it was interesting <laughs> and i've never been to a concert before where you had a bunch of people like bringing up their their 3ds with them you know playing that before the concert was on and stuff like that all people had other gaming systems and stuff they brought with them and that was, that was great it was, a, it was a great experience and and then I, and also to go see your story uh, in theaters was great as well because the music in that was as far as, as far as the research I could tell, he was the one, Sujiyama was the one that arranged that for the movie. And the tracks that they used mostly from five were amazing. And I thought to hear that in the theater, it was great. I remember like when the movie ended and they're just, you know, I'm just sitting there listening to the Dragon Quest music over the credits. And I was like, oh, this is great. It's just oh, that was wow. pretty, pretty cool. Uh, what, yeah, did, that... what did you guys think of, of how the soundtrack was arranged for uh, your story? Uh, Yangus, you want to go? <laughs> you keep having me go first. <laughs> no, I just, uh, I, I, to, from from my memory, it was the Dragon Quest Five sound. No, that's fine. That I'm just, I'm just, you know, you. orchestrally. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Josh. Yeah. Um, no, Dragon Quest, uh, your story. I thought I had a good mix of songs. You know, you obviously had a lot from Dragon Quest Five. Uh, you had a few from Dragon Quest Three, like the endings or the song that played during the credits was End of the Legend which is the ending thing of Dragon Quest 3. There was, um, I believe they had the the prologue theme from Dragon Quest 3 as well. The one like the one you were talking about earlier, Liam, where you have to do the personality quiz. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, there were a few other, I can't remember all the songs, unfortunately. I had a note for them somewhere on my, it's either on my phone or my uh, normal iPod, I can't remember. But anyway, I do remember there were some other songs, and I thought a lot of the music that they picked did fit in with a lot of the scenes. I did find it a little odd, though, in the movie that there was a lot of times where they just would use the uh, Dragon Quest overture for different, like, events going on. Like, they would always, it always seemed like they would just go back to that one. Like, the one I remember in particular was when um, the son showed up, Tino, to save um, Abel. Or, what was it? What was his name in the movie? Was it Abel? Was that the dad's name? Oh, was, I can't, I can't remember. Well, uh, anyway, uh, when, he, when the son came to save uh, the dad you know, after he had been turned to stone and they just played the overture. And then I remember they're playing the overture a few other times too, at different points. Like when he tried to originally use the Zenithian sword, but he couldn't lift it up. And I don't know. I, that was one thing I just was like, <laughs> well, I think you could have used some other songs in those places, but it was still yeah. funny. Was that, but was that, was, Oh, that was, that was one of my favorite parts where it starts, you get the big flourish and then it's like, yeah. and then it kind of dies. It's, yeah. Just like Peter's that like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that, I Just mean, kidding. that was funny. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, oh man, it would yeah. be funny if they would have used like, um, like one of the big celebration like jingle themes, where it's like he's picking up it's like, dun, 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 then he can't pick it up it's like, dun, 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 dun. yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I remember um, that too th- from uh, that 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 kind of like, yeah, that like <laughs> it was like a, a record slowing down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember them doing that in the in dragon quest anime too when they first introduced uh uh moko or um the character moko moko in in his full armor set with the with the skull helmet and he just comes out and he just looks completely silly and and they, they did that like then like or something like something to that effect it's kind of a humorous little yeah um only thing about um your story soundtrack that i wish that they would have done is i'm really surprised they only used the bridal waltz theme at one point when they got married i kind of wish that they would have mixed that in 
with the credit song, mm. or, you know, mix it into the credits or the ending. Because when I think of that song from Dragon Quest V Bridal Waltz, you know, obviously you think of the wedding ceremony and everything. But it also makes me think, you know, of the credits and how you get sort of a recap of the adventure and you get to see one last shot of, you know, the heroes now back in Gotham with his family and you know he's going to be able to live that happily ever after and it was a good way to end off that game uh both thematically and musically so I kind of wish with your story that they would have done the same thing or like if they wanted to start with part of like into the legend but then like halfway through it switches over and changes into bridal waltz I would have liked that a little bit more it's it's still a you know into the legend you know it's still a great song to end a a movie on or to end a dragon quest Mm. game on but yeah. Just because it being Dragon Quest V, I do wish that they would have worked in Bridal Waltz um, for the ending theme, at least gotcha. at some point, you know. You've got to do the Yangus cut of the movie. I'm working on it. I'm working on the. I'm working on the Liam Land cut that cuts out all the bullshit at the end. Well, see, the Yangus cut is just going to be a crudely drawn version of Nimzo showing up and being like, "I am Nimzo. I am here." Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I won't. I won't say what it's going to be going over specifically, but I'll just say yeah. that once Lodja leaves, that Nimzo is going to show up and he'll be like, "I am Nimzo." I am bad guy. Right, yeah. I kill you now. Blood of hero spilled. Blah blah blah. <laughs> and just I was like, we'll get. I'll one take of those. that. I'll take that over the. <laughs> well, you guys have heard like those poorly like uh, played recorder versions of different songs on YouTube, right? Where like they'll take like a really pretty song and they'll play it on a recorder, but it sounds you know really awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, okay. <laughs> we'll do we'll do one of those memes with Nimzo's boss name. We'll just be like. <laughs> just it just sounds like total total butt. Nice. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> um so so just getting back to the live live experience, I did I did get to see Koichi Sugiyama um uh conduct as well. Um a couple of years ago, my wife and I uh were in Japan and we and we got tickets to see uh Trio de Quest and it, it was a tour of, of a trumpet, a trombone and a pianist. Um and they were uh, they were going around just like uh, various uh, cities play- or um, playing uh, the soundtracks uh, um, for one through I believe it was one through six and uh, um, and it, it was pretty amazing. Uh, Koichi Sugiyama actually appeared at the concert we were at, um, and he was he was sitting in the in the um, in the seats with us, only like ten feet from where we were. Uh, for where, where my wife and I were sitting, and and nice. we knew we knew he was going to be there because it said it like on the flyer and everything. So we we brought um, a box of cookies to give him uh, after the show, and so we were hanging out backstage. Like at, at the end, we were hanging not backstage, like out by the the uh, entrance to the backstage area after the concert, um, just trying to see if he would come out, and and he left. Like he peaced out. He was just like <laughs> he uh, he left early. He had to go back to Tokyo. We were in uh, we were in Shizuoka at the time, and uh, and so he he left uh, out the back entrance and wasn't seeing fans or anything. Um, but we uh, so uh, we just took the cookie, cookies home and ate them. But uh, <laughs> uh, but it was it was pretty amazing. So part two of the of the concert was uh, the trio was joined by a local orchestra. Um, Sugiyama did get up and conduct a few tracks personally. Um, the one that comes to mind is the uh, the casino theme, where he actually came out and played um, uh, played the the blocks for the the little um, uh, the little the bridge part of the uh, of the casino theme, um, and uh, which is actually kind of humorous because he just he walks 
he walks out and when it's like and he's there playing that block part and then after after it goes back down he does this like awkward shifted dance you know like and then he just just like dances and turns around and walks off stage to the theme. <laughs> that was pretty hilarious. I actually got I got some video footage of that that I'd like to maybe splice into the YouTube version of this. But uh, that's but it's, funny. It's, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty hilarious uh, just to to see it. Um, uh, but then he did yeah he did get up and conduct the full orchestra uh, for part two uh, a couple of tracks as well and I think it was a local orchestra. Um, uh, because I think most of the performers seemed a little bit younger, uh, if I remember nice. correctly. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, mine was, uh, when I went, it was the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony Orchestra that I got to see, so that was that was cool. Oh, cool. Um, so let's talk a, a little bit about some unique interpretations of Sugiyama's music. Um, Pendy, I think you mentioned the ukulele album. <laughs> yeah, this one's interesting, and the, one of the reasons why I even know this exists in the first place is because when I went to that concert, uh, that's one of the things they were advertising because it was about to come out at the time. So they did this, I uh, got this little, in fact, I still have this little flyer that has a flyer for the ukulele album and also for the vinyl, the uh, the vinyl edition of Dragon Quest XI. So I still have that from the concert along with the, the, the playbook. So yeah, so ukulele, it's, it's 42 tracks of ukulele music from various Dragon Quest games. It, they said it's from, it spans from Dragon Quest 1 to 11. And some of it's like, you know, full out songs. Like there's there's songs like Only Lonely Boy is actually on there and a bunch of uh, fights, fight themes, tower themes, battle themes, etc. But there's even like, they do like the level up uh, music cue, the curse cue. They do that uh, ukulele style. Um, so it's very, it's very entertaining. I'm, there should, I'm hoping we can get some in the background <laughs> during the podcast. I'll send them awesome. to you. But awesome. uh, it's very, it's very interesting interpretation. But it's fun. It's uh, it's uh, better than I thought. I thought it was going to be when I started to listen to it for a little bit. Awesome. Um, so uh, there, there's also a rare uh, soundtrack called the uh, Dragon Quest is a Pangu World, uh, which is like the music from Japan. Uh, but it's it's a it's a concept album where the music was performed with traditional Japanese uh, instruments uh, such as the koto, the show, and the taiko. Um, the koto is a stringed instrument, if I remember correctly. Um, the show is a is a wind instrument, and the taiko is a drum, uh, the traditional Japanese uh, uh, um, big drum. Uh, and uh, it's it's just in, in interesting. I only have a couple of uh, tracks from this uh, this album. It's an interesting soundtrack uh, just to hear it performed with uh, the um, uh, original Japanese instruments. Um, and we also have uh, uh, the uh, Pendy. Did you mention the Dragon Quest Dance Best Remix or Best oh, yeah. Dance Mix? Oh yeah, yeah. The Dragon Quest Dance Best Dance Mix. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> this. This mixes extremely, and I'm not kidding here, it mixes extremely generic techno beats with classic Dragon Quest music. Personally, I love it. To me, it's one of those, it's so horrible, it's great type of things. <laughs> it's a, it's definitely a, a Dragon <laughs> Quest guilty pleasure when it comes to, well, anything Dragon Quest. But it's, uh, I'll have some of the, I'll hopefully, we'll ha hopefully have some of the, the tracks here in the background. But if not, you can look it up. You, there's a place you can see uh, Apple Music. You can preview some, all the tracks that there are, are on there. But yeah, it's just horrible, horribly, horribly generic techno music kind of mashed in with with Dragon Quest. It's not done very well. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun for me. Uh, I thought awesome. it was, I thought it was interesting. All right. Cool. Um, and uh, there actually is a there's a 
the soundtrack for Dragon Quest Eleven on Spotify actually right now. I don't know if it's official. Um, it, it's uh, it, it, the it says it's the piano soundtrack by Daigoro Seven Eight Nine. So if you do a search for Dragon Quest on Spotify, not too many tracks come up because Koichi Sugiyama didn't release uh soundtracks to spotify i don't think but you might get a couple of playlists from uh um from various folks or or just some some custom fan music um but i will say that the daigoro soundtrack uh for dragon quest 11 uh on piano is actually really really quality it is uh it's very professional sounding quality so if this is a fan album and i'm not even entirely sure if it is or if it's an actual official release or not uh it's a really a really uh professional sounding uh piano collection and i highly recommend it um okay platy are you still with us i don't know if sometimes you go on mute um are you you were muting us uh today because uh that's what you do with the music in the games <laughs> anyway so uh if you're still that's with what us i'm uh, pretty much doing right now Playing Dragon Quest on All YouTube. right, awesome. <laughs> he, was, he was talking the whole time. What are you talking about? He joined us in when we were talking about yeah, the right. album and everything. You didn't hear him? Yeah. He, no, because he was on mute, so he, he muted his microphone. I, I muted so, myself. Uh, oh, no, no. He was, no, he was there the yeah, whole time. He, he, he yeah, about. he's been talking this, He's been talking the whole time. He's just been on mute. <laughs> there's, um, a little, there's a little so callback if you listen to the side quest April Fool's jokes. <laughs> nice. um so so buddy you wanted to talk about theater theater rhythm yeah we won't go too far into it but i know yangus you've played gosh what 50 some hours of it and yeah i did yep and in my uh modding phase of last week when i decided i really wanted to play uh the dragon the fan release of dragon quest monsters 2 i went through the process of modding my 3ds and now i can do some of those japanese titles um kind of played them on citra but you know, this felt like a game that you wanted to be tapping along on a real console with. Yeah. So, I mean, I've enjoyed it, but I've done maybe 10 little missions. Um, it, it, it just kind of seemed like the whole grid of Dragon Quest 1 through 10 and tons of songs in there. Um, what do I have to look forward to, Genghis? Okay, so I or, I had imported this one around the same time I imported the 3DS version of Dragon Quest Eleven because mm-hmm. at that point, you know, we were still kind of unsure if we were going to be getting Eleven or not or how soon it was, or sorry, rather how soon it was going to come over here. So I imported both of them, gone about the same time. And with Dragon Quest uh, Theat Rhythm, uh, when you start the game off, you get to choose between a number of characters and you get to select uh, four party members. Uh, once you do, those four party members will be like, your main four, and then you can eventually unlock other characters by collecting the different colored spheres and orbs from the Dragon Quest games. So if you're familiar with Dragon Quest Three, you know, that's a familiar concept. Collect the six orbs. Um, ah, I was wondering where they got... Yeah, I was just like, hey, look, I got a round color at the end of a song. Okay. Yep. Well, that already yep, those, explains that's what something. Those are. <laughs> yeah, <Awesome>. if you <laughs> collect... If you collect um, one of each color, then you'll be able to choose uh, another character to add to your party. And there's actually quite a lot of characters you can unlock. Um, You have, uh, I can't remember the full list, but pretty much you run a good gambit of um, popular characters from Dragon Quest uh, 1 through 10. Uh, In in 9's case, you only really have the protagonist. And I think, if I remember right, you get either uh, Eren from the inn or Patty as one of the characters. Like who runs the, mm-hmm. um, you know, the p- Paris place? Um, like Ten's characters are just the different races because I don't remember if at the time if Ten was still pretty new or not when that game came out. But there's like of all the of all the games that are represented in Theat Rhythm, Ten does not have the best representation music wise. 
and that was one of the things that I really wasn't a big fan of. It only has like four tracks from that game, and there's there's a lot more than just four tracks, so it's really weird that there's not any other ones, for, especially for the different um, character races that are in Dragon Quest X. Anyway, so with uh, Theat Rhythm, you have a story, which I have no idea what the story is, where you're supposed <laughs> to, you know, collect 10,000 of the rhythm points. Uh, you get, you get like, a certain amount from beating songs on different difficulties and, get, uh, you know, completing different tasks and things like that. Uh, you complete that goal, you beat the boss that shows up at the end, which is just, like, a co different collection of uh, Dragon Quest Final Bosses, just depending on who it is. Um... And then you get your credits in and pretty much you're just free to play however you want. You have stuff like uh, TNT boards that you can go into or Pachisi boards. Um, and if Barurian ends up listening to this, he's going to laugh because I still don't have an answer for it. You can actually unlock the golden, you know, golden card ticket that lets you permanently play um, Pachisi slash uh, TNT whenever you want to. But I have no idea how I unlocked it, so I can't tell him how to get it. Because <laughs> <laughs> nice. it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, I, I guess I can play whenever I want to now. I don't have to use the, the regular tickets. I have no idea how I got it. I just kind of got it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, let's see. You do have a good selection of songs from Dragon Quest 1 through 10, like I said. Um, there are a few DLC songs you can get, which are all totally free. And I believe even now they're still totally free to get. Uh, you get some NES versions of songs from Dragon Quest 1 through 4. Uh, you get uh, some other songs from like Dragon Quest 8, for example, and Dragon Quest 6. Um, you do have, if you've ever played the other Theater Rhythm games, there's some um, videos that you get to watch as you play certain songs. They're called the, like the event songs, I believe. And you get to enjoy the ending themes from the different Dragon Quest games uh, while watching footage of the original you know, Japanese console releases. So like, you do one of the songs from excuse me dragon quest one through four you get to watch uh different cutscenes and events from that game uh you play dragon quest eights for example it plays a condensed version of sky ocean and earth as you watch different in-game cutscenes from the original ps2 japanese release and for uh dragon quest 10's case since you know that's an online mmo it doesn't really have a true ending to it they instead used a different cgi trailer footage and played um and have the orchestra or, excuse me they have the overture uh, for Dragon Quest be the song for that game. So it's funny, like one of the last songs you end up getting is the overture instead of it being one of the first songs you play. <laughs> Interesting. But um, if you played the other Theat Rhythm games, uh, particularly the Curtain Call version of uh, the Final Fantasy one that's on the 3DS, this is going to be a lot like that one. Like I, like Platy said, I put 50 hours into this particular game. I cannot read a lick of Japanese or understand any Japanese. I was able to navigate through menus totally fine, uh, you know, get through into different uh, modes and gameplay. And, you know, if, if you played one of those other rhythm games, you're going to be able to get into this pretty easy. Uh, there, is, awesome. there is um, All Trades Abbey that you get to go to and change job classes. I, oh, nice. I don't really know what all the job classes are in the game, but from my understanding and like using Google Translate, it does seem like, you know, you have your regular classes that show up, you know, like warrior, mage, cleric, all that stuff. And it'll affect what sort of abilities and spells your characters can use in the, oh, when you're playing songs, when you're going through battles or like the overworld themes and things like that. Yeah. So there is, there is a little bit of strategy, but you know, if you're just looking to play a Dragon Quest uh, rhythm game with uh, you know, different songs from the, from the main series, then, you know, this is a good one to pick up and it's really easy to play as well you don't need to understand japanese to play it and um i think i told play this one if you go into free play you know even though you, if you might not be able to read the text you can still click on a song and you get like a quick little preview of what that song is going to be so as soon as you hear it you'll be like oh that's 
uh, toward the horizon from Dragon Quest V, or oh, this is uh, what the Dragon Quest VI town thing, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to, forward to right. this because I've played the Final Fantasy version of this that came over here, but and I, and I imported the Dragon Quest version, but I haven't played it yet because I haven't modded my 3DS or gotten a Japanese 3DS. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, I would think based off of my experience with. Final Fantasy that even if you don't know Japanese, it's pretty easy to navigate all the different mm-hmm. uh, functions in that game. Yeah, I, I will say, too, that if you get this game and you do want to play it, uh, whether you play it, you know, on a th- on the actual 3DS hardware or if you play it through Citrix, which I don't really know a whole lot about, I, I'll admit, but you can play this game without having to use the touch screen. You can use it with uh, the buttons and with the... Um, Oh, that slide pad that's on the 3ds i forgot the actual the circle pad that's what it's called you can use that for like on the notes where you hold it you know you move up and down uh, along the scale uh, you know you have the regular red notes so you just have to you know tap the button on the 3ds screen and for the, like the notes that are like the up down left or right arrows you just have to push the circle pad in that direction. I use the regular controls for it and not the touchscreen only because if I use the touchscreen ones after a while, my hand kind of cramps up from holding the stylus. So, mm. and, and and luckily, uh, like with the the Fiat Rhythm Curtain Call for Final Fantasy, where you know they they implemented that in and made it so you could play with that option. I would say that the Dragon Quest version. Or this Theater Rhythm Dragon Quest game, like it has the best conversion of that play style. Because I noticed when playing the Curtain Call Final Fantasy one, there were a few times where it would say my note was oh good, even though I knew I you know would tap the button in the correct direction or whatever. Whereas I didn't really have that problem with the uh, Dragon Quest one here, and I was able to get like the you know the max score and a lot of the easy and normal rank songs. So control wise, it's very good, and I imagine with the touchscreen control too. You know, since it's technically the third Theater Rhythm game that it's going to be, you know, really, really improved compared to, like, the first Theat Rhythm game that they released on the 3DS. All right. Um, um, so, I mean, as, as you can tell from all the talking I've done today, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not... I, the music's fine. The music's good. It's not a reason I keep coming back to Dragon Quest. But I've found the game, Theat Rhythm, to be pretty good. So, yeah, even, even though that... And I've, I've listened to the music, so no, uh, pretty much everybody's got more interest in the music than me, and I'm still enjoying <laughs> that little that little game. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I hope to pick that one up as well. Yeah, it's 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 pretty uh, easy. I think I got my copy when I imported it for like only thirty bucks. So I mean, it wasn't too expensive. And I'd imagine if you get it in Japan itself, that you know wouldn't be super pricey. I can't imagine. Yeah, I'll look for it on Mercari and see. Um, I will say one one last thing I do want to say about the game, just because it made me laugh so hard. So, like I said, yeah. I use Google Translate every now and then for just just for a quick check on something. If it was like, oh, I wonder what this says or whatever. I learned that Google Translate is not the best option for that because it will give you weird translation things. Oh, don't I know <laughs> but that? My favorite example of that happening, and I still laugh to this day about it. I was fighting different monsters and I was curious, like, oh, what, you know, what's the thing going to say, like the Japanese or, you know, what would be the name in the Japanese version, you know? So I just used the thing to try and translate it. I kid you not, when I used the Google Translate app on a can of box to see what its Japanese title was, Google Translate translated its name to higher education. <laughs> <laughs> it was the funniest thing. I love. I I love that so much. It, it looked treasure. Laugh. You're gonna learn today, kid. <laughs> That'd be so great. They now just need to have a Dragon Quest game where there's a can of box. It's like a teacher or something, and be like, "I'm gonna teach you something here." <laughs> you don't call me Mister Higher Education for nothing. <laughs> All right, just uh, some uh, moving moving right along. So uh, as of this recording. 
uh, Koichi Sugiyama has actually turned 90 today. Uh, um, so uh, who do you guys think could, um, you know, it, it, we, we should play some sort of uh, birthday theme. Actually, the Ramones birthday theme from The Simpsons comes to mind, <laughs> if we can uh, if we can dub that in later. Uh, but uh, killed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that part at the end where he's like, go to hell, you old bastard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, who do you who do you think could take over for Kuichiyama after he's done composing for Dragon Quest games in honor of his birthday? Who who do you think could take over? <laughs> so I was I was thinking uh, that there's two people that I know of that would uh, be pretty good fits. Uh, the first one that I thought of would be Manami Matsume. Uh, she did the soundtrack for Dragon Quest Swords. Uh, it's a fantastic soundtrack in my opinion, and I would bet most people don't even realize that she did the soundtrack instead of Tsujiyama. Uh, she's also famous for doing the original Mega Man soundtrack and Dynasty Warrior soundtrack, and she's also contributed to tracks to games such as Final Fight and uh, Shovel Knight more recently. Uh, she's also been the composer for a long-running series in Japan called Derby Stallion, if you're familiar with that. I guess it's like a sim game where you're running like a a horse, a horse derby, running horses and stuff like that. But she's that's been going on for decades, and she's always been the composer for that one as well. The other one that I think would be a good fit would be Hayato Matsu. Matsu. Uh, when he was coming out of college, he got introduced to and hired by Sujiyama, and he's one of the people that arranged the tracks for the first Die anime back in the 80s. He also arranged the soundtrack for, did the arrangements for the soundtrack for Dragon Quest 4 through 6 on the DS, and even the mystery title or mystery dungeon title young yangus uh he's also orchestrated for the uh, shenmue games he's been a prolific anime composer for titles such as magic knight ray earth helsing ultimate and some did some of the tracks for high school <clears throat> high score high score girl which by the way just as an aside is a terrific period piece that involves japanese arcades of the late 80s but i think one of those two would be uh would be good replacements awesome. how about you yangus uh, for me, I would have to go with Yuzo Koshiro. Uh, let me get to the notes here so I can read my full thing I wrote down. Here we go. Uh, so I went with him because Yuzo Koshiro has been writing uh, video game music uh, since the late 80s, and he's worked on some various RPG series like Ease, uh, Act Razor, and his most recent one is Etrian Odyssey. Uh, fun fact, I actually just learned about this one a little while ago. He actually took inspiration from Dragon Quest V and its music when he first started working on the Etrian Odyssey series, and that influence shows in how he composed his work. Uh, if you listen to his symphonic orchestra adaptations of his different soundtracks, uh, particularly if you go back and listen to the Act Razor Symphony Orchestra uh, via YouTube or listen to some of his Etrian Odyssey stuff from the 3DS games, uh, you'll see that, in my personal opinion, that he would be a good fit for it. Uh, he curates really enjoyable and catchy town themes that you know get you ready for the adventure. There's a lot of good atmospheric and inspiring dungeon themes uh, that help present the mood of you know what uh, the game kind of wants to get you into the mindset of. And he has a lot of really fun battle themes that have a mix of you know your regular orchestra sound with different instruments like trumpets, strings, uh, woodwinds, and stuff. But then he also has a little bit of a rock influence thrown in on a few songs, uh, mainly with like the boss themes of certain or when you fight the the foes, which are basically like mini bosses in that series. And really, like outside of the Etrian, um, me being a fan of his work in the Etrian series, I just think that uh, that Yuzo Koshiro is one of those composers that can really fit into any sort of style that he wants to try and get into. Like he's done stuff for um, like Streets of Rage back on the Super Gen or the Super Genesis, the Sega Genesis era. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and you know he it has a real like techno beat a sort of pop sound almost to it but then you have his other works where he's really able to bring out more of like a metal sound uh, act razor again use that as example from that same time period you know total opposite of a techno sound where even on the super nintendo original release and the arcade version there it, it has a real orchestral feel to it both with thanks to the Super Nintendo sound chip and just how the music's composed overall. And um, what's the other one I'm thinking of? If you ever uh, listen to Kid Icarus up, uh, Kid Icarus Uprising soundtrack, uh, Yuzo Koshiro helped write a few of the songs from that game. Uh, best example to listen to from that one is the Reset Bomb Factory theme. I think it's chapter um, 12 or 13 of that game, if I remember right. It's where you're going into the sky and trying to go after the reset bombs that are falling onto the earth from that point of the game. Uh, but anyway, the song that plays during the opening portion of that chapter has you going after one of the bombs, and it starts off with this really cool orchestra piece where it goes dun 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 and just keeps building up and building up. And when you finally get to the point where you got to fight off the bomb and you know, destroy it before it crashes into the earth. You have this nice change of pace with how the music presents itself. Uh, but yeah, I could go on a lot about uh, Kosiro's music, especially uh, for his Etrain stuff and like Act Razor stuff. But I think just, again, just personally, I think he would be a really cool fit for the series because again, he's able to adapt to different styles so well. And for his orchestral stuff in particular, that has sort of that classical influential feel like Dragon Quest stuff does. He's able to, you know, replicate some of those styles from like Bach or Beethoven or things like that. And like listening to some of his, um, again, act raiser stuff, you can hear sort of that inspiration in a few of his pieces, especially, oh, I can't remember the name of the song, unfortunately, but that, that's part of why I pick him as well. And because, you know, him saying that he was inspired by Dragon Quest for his work in the Etrian series makes me think that, you know, if he could take what he's learned from that series, he could really translate it that well into dragon quest proper then and i'd really be curious to hear you know what he could do if he actually was at the helm of a dragon quest game proper awesome um yeah i'd have to echo what uh what pendy said about uh, manami matsume uh based on the dragon quest sword soundtrack um and some of her uh catchy work from Mega Man and, and shovel knight uh, I really like her work and, and would love to see her uh, uh, do more for the for Dragon Quest and, and see what kind of other original compositions she can come up with. Because I, I think the, um, the music from Swords, if you didn't realize it wasn't Koichi Sugiyama, like I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing how she was able to kind of um, blend in her, her style with his. So. Um, all right. Does anybody else have anything? I know my kids are going to bust in on us soon, so we probably have to wrap this up. But does anybody else have anything else they want to say about the music? All right. So that's it for this episode of Slime Time. We do want to thank Yangus and Pendy for joining us today. No Thanks, problem. Guys. It was great to be yeah, here. Yeah, it's good to it's good to talk about all things music related for this series because. <laughs> As you as you can tell, we all have our you know lots of to say about the music, especially Platty. You know, he said the most out of all of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we don't use Patreon, but if you have money you'd like to donate, consider sliding on over to Dragon's Den and clicking on support this site. Uh, Wudu says owned and maintained Dragon's Den for uh, over twenty years and appreciate any donation. You can also use his Amazon affiliate links to make any purchases in a small fraction of the sale will go to support the den you can advertise on uh with us by reaching out at slimetimepodcast at gmail.com if you have any comments or questions uh you can find me on twitter at riyamu celestrian uh platy's at platy m3 uh at dq slime time to uh both of us up uh, um 
consider joining in tons of DQ discussions at the Dragon's End forums, one of the remaining DQ forums still around. You can find it at www.woodus.com slash forums. Uh, we'd like to uh, thank everyone who made this uh, possible, such as Woodus, uh, for support of the series and this podcast. He does an amazing job editing the YouTube versions, and he's owned and operated Dragon's Den for decades. If you're looking for more Dragon Quest Slime Time, check out our earlier episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor.fm, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Um, thanks to Amanda Laprie and the Descends of Verdict for uh, allowing us to use their music for our podcast. Uh, Descends of Verdict is a video game tribute band from Austin, Texas. Check them out in their most recent album, Advent, at www.descendersverdict.com or on Twitter at Diaverdric. And check out Amanda Laprie streaming on Twitch. Bye, everybody. Dragon Quest. Slime time, sliming off. See you next slime.